Welcome to the Lifelong Learning Podcast with Chris McGuire. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Lifelong Learning Podcast and today I'm joined by a colleague who I was very fortunate to work with over the past three years and her name is Louise Dezira. Louise, welcome to the show. Thank you and thank you for having me. Louise, I'm so excited to have you on because a big part of having this conversation with you is you are one of the most impressive educators I've worked with in my career. And I just would love for people to hear hear what you do in your day-to-day work. So let's go from the start. Why teaching? I think I can thank my parents for that. Um, at the time when I finished my HSC, um, I was a little bit stuck on what to do next. And um, my brother and I were actually teaching swimming at a swim school. And I really enjoyed working with children. And my mum and dad kept suggesting primary school teaching and I listened to their advice and here I am now. Did you have any teachers growing up that made, uh, I guess, an impact on you? Absolutely. And I've been lucky enough to um, cross paths with them as an educator. So um, in my first year, it was my first principal um, from my primary school who actually... um, uh, was the principal of the school that I was doing my final prac in, mm-hmm. and she ended up um, employing me in my first position. And uh, wow. two other teachers that taught me during my primary school were teachers at that school, and they were teachers that I admired, obviously as as human beings and mm-hmm. and as educators. I love that because it's the personal touch. That's where the connection is. It's an old colleague said to me once. Um, it's not what they say that you remember it's the way they made you feel absolutely absolutely and that rapport that they build with you Mm -hmm. and as a teacher building rapport with your students is the first thing uh, you need to do when you step into that learning studio or or space or classroom Mm -hmm. building yeah that that relationship and there you go for people listening tip number one for from mr zira build relationship but um tell us a little bit about your education as well um, I went to a Catholic primary school and a Catholic high school. Uh, I also studied at the Catholic University. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once I got into teaching, um, I quickly found out that it was those students with those additional needs that needed not only the most love, but the most scaffolding and, and support. And as a teacher, I felt like I needed to, to have further training in that. Mm-hmm. So I think it was about six years into my teaching, I... Uh, I attended uh, the University of Newcastle and I uh, got my master's in special education. Mm-hmm. And that, what a great place to start for this uh, conversation. So master's of education. You, and you think about what you'd learnt. How much of that, I guess, underpins what you do every day within your classroom? Yeah, I think with um, having studied uh, special education, it shouldn't just be called special education. I think it's just good education. Mm-hmm. And... Um, for about three years, I was, I guess, learning support or the special education teacher. And then when I came to Mother Teresa, I became the classroom teacher. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason um, that I uh, went from learning support to classroom teaching was because of all that learning I had done with my studies and being on the job for special education. I then wanted to put that in place in a, in a whole class setting. Mm-hmm. And especially working as a primary school teacher and being a generalist across all subjects, 
Um, how do you find that that tension between you know you've completed a master's in special ed- education and then bring those skills and transferring them in pedagogically into all these different content strands or KLAs that you need to teach? How do you find that kind of tension? Yeah, I, I think like we said at the beginning of the conversation, it goes back to to knowing your learners and and knowing um, knowing them as little human beings and knowing how they learn best. Um, and then um, once you know your learners, you then know the curriculum, and then you can carry all of that across all KLAs. Mm-hmm. All right, so we worked um, together, and one role over the past few years, you were literacy um, lead teacher, and I mean, I've been fortunate enough to sit in and watch you in action, and I just was so impressed with the language you use, um, and I'm sure people can hear now the care that you have, that you show towards each student. So could you run us through, practically, a literacy lesson? What what does that look like for you before you even walk into the classroom? So if you're beginning, it could be a, a reading unit. What What is the work that you've done prior to even walking in that classroom and working with those students in your care? Well, if it's a shared reading lesson, I usually look at um, what are we inquiring about in our other KLAs and try to find that integration for the students to mm-hmm. help them create that curiosity and wonder. But in my planning, I also have a focus around the English element and I break it into days. So mm-hmm. on Monday, when I introduce the book, we're, we're going to listen to this story and we're just going to listen to it and we're going to enjoy it. On Tuesday, we'll revisit it as a shared mm-hmm. reading text and the focus may be comprehension. So we might be focusing on answering on the lines questions or between the lines or going beyond the text. Mm-hmm. Then the next day, I'll have a different focus, which may be um, just looking at the grammar and then Thursday, it would carry over and look at, have a look at the spelling. And then on Friday, we might view view something. So it might be a, a little clip where we can make a connection to what we read on with our shared reading book. It's funny, as you say that, I mean, traditionally, teachers, I remember in, in my primary schooling, would start with what you're doing at the end of the week. Let's look at the grammar. Let's look at the spelling. Yet the first two things that you've begun with is let's just, one, enjoy it. And let's create that sense of inquiry. Yeah. Why is that so important? Um, because I think it, it it acknowledges that our students are learners and that they have um, inquiring minds and we want the stu- students to wonder. And as a teacher, I think um, <coughs> one of the most beautiful things to see is students being curious and um, having so much, much wonder about the world. And mm-hmm. um, I love reading and I, I love books and why not have um, a book as a source to answer or to help them answer those wonderings as well? Mm-hmm. You're spot on because, it's, yeah, the igniting that interest. But before you got there, you mentioned um, questions on the line, beyond the line, between the line. Could you unpack that for our listeners? Yep, so that's looking at um, comprehension. Um, an on-the-lines question is a literal question, and um, I call it on-the-lines because I tell the children that, you can go back to the book and uh, you can actually put your, your finger on the answer. Mm-hmm. So we say it's on the lines. So it was a, a blue dog. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a unique dog. Maybe it's the one from the Flintstones. Now I'm mixing it up with my dogs. All right. Maybe the Jetsons. <laughs> the Jetsons, that's the one. <laughs> uh, between the lines is more looking at your inferential questions where we're using our, our prior knowledge and clues from the text to make a guess um, mm-hmm. at 
you know, what we've been asked. Um, or there could be inferential questions about word meaning. So mm-hmm. I, um, I read around the word. I, I read um, before and after and see if I can work out what this word means um, mm-hmm. and bring my prior knowledge to it. Mm-hmm. And then beyond the lines is reflecting on the story and evaluating. And then at, at the end, it's you also mentioned making a connection with the world. Yeah. So you've got this book in your hand. You're learning. Um, you're learning the skills of a good reader. Um, but what's the purpose of? Okay, we've read this book. There could be this theme, this topic that um, you know th- is a th- common thread throughout the book. Why is it important to make a connection to a child? What happens in the real world? Yeah, I, I think that comes back to comprehension as well. So, if I read something and I can think about how that connects to to my life or, or the world or another book I've read, it helps the children to understand what they're reading. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also helps the children to, to remember that lesson as well. So there, um, an example I can think of was this week, um, I was reading a guided reading book with my group about bats and one of the, the bold words in the nonfiction text was migration. And I said to the children, so I wonder what this word means. And they made a connection to, it was actually a fiction book that we had read two terms ago called Grandpa's Journey. Mm-hmm. So that, that connection to, to the other text helped them to understand what that w- word migration meant and they could yep. bring it to this context. So making connections um, gives real meaning to what they're doing. When you talk about connections, there's a few co- different connections that students can make. Could you unpack that for us as well? So the first connection might be a text-to-text connection. So that's when they... Um, when but the example you just had then? Yes, yep. that's right. So um, they may have read a book um, where a character reminds them of a of the character that they're reading in this book or um, it could be a theme. Um, the second connection is a, a text to self. Uh, so something that happens to the character has also happened to themselves and that helps them to, to understand the character's motives mm-hmm. and, and um what's happening in the story and then you've got text to world so they might read something um about bats and think oh well i've actually seen that in real life Mm -hmm. um yeah so it's once again it's it's bringing that deeper comprehension and deeper understanding of what they're reading and that's great for parents listening you know that can guide some of those questions that you ask your child at home while you you know reading before bed or whenever you read with your child yeah that's great I wanted to uh, ask you, and talking about parents, because I guess a lot of the time parents have had a different experience of schooling, primary schooling, and and usually I guess you only know what you've known. Um, How do you see um, education, primary schooling today, um, matching up to the expectations of, of parents because parents will, you know, draw upon their own um, education. Is is there ever a bit of a tension with that? So, with what exactly what you're talking about there? How you're unpacking a book as opposed to how parents learn to read? Yeah. Do you see um, much transition? Do you see? Do you have a lot of conversations with parents? What, what's that experience like for you? I think it. Um, being a, a teacher at Mother Teresa Primary, um, I've been very fortunate to um, to have some good practices that were already put in place. So um, one practice that we have here is at the beginning of the year we have a meet and greet. So it's a time for the teachers to meet the parents um, and to get to know the students from the parents' eyes. 
But during that time, I also explained to the teachers my expectation, but especially around reading. So Mm. I have a communication book that goes home. Um, The students log the books that they read and give feedback about what they're reading. But I also give feedback to the parents about what I see that the child is doing well in class. Mm. Um, Something else that we run at Mother Teresa Primary um, is a parent universities so we recently ran a parent university where um, parents came in and we spoke to them about the importance of questioning with reading so Mm -hmm. i think as long as you uh, keep the parents well informed whether that's through um, little parent meetings or um, uh, having uh, afternoons where parents can come in and workshop things i think parents are pretty uh, open to to learning and doing things differently Mm-hmm. And bringing them along that journey as well. Mm-hmm. So as you go through these uh, responses, I really want to try and make connections for people listening. So again, you're talking about relationships with parents, mm-hmm. meet and greet, establishing expectations, um, upskilling parents, um, making them aware by providing feedback. So I guess hot tip number one from Lou is it sounds like relationships, good Absolutely. teachers. And, and I think... Just on that idea of relationships, if a student isn't performing or if you notice that something isn't um, isn't right for with the student, meet with the parent straight away. Don't don't let it mm-hmm. don't leave it any longer. Then um, yeah, just whether that's just a call to say, look, this is what I've noticed. Is there anything that's happening at home? Or this is what I've noticed. Let's work on this for the next couple of days. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, setting goals um, with the parents and obviously alongside with the children and um, giving feedback mm-hmm. as well as those relationships are, are vital to, to um, teaching. And we're people. Sometimes it's hard to have that relationship, whether it be with parents or to build that relationship or to gain, I guess, that trust and, um, you know, trust and honesty uh, with, with students. So have you had experiences where you have found it difficult to foster that relationship? I think um, <clears throat> when parents see that you really care about their children mm-hmm. and that you have a genuine interest um, in their student as an individual, um, they're happy to, to listen to your advice and, mm-hmm. and to, to act on it. So, yeah, yeah I've been pretty fortunate to, to build some um, strong relationships with, with some parents and to have their support. And, um, yeah, and their support actually at times can guide my teaching as well. It's, it's feedback for me to know that I'm on the right track with my teaching and, mm-hmm. and my thinking as well. I like how you mentioned that because you taught my niece. That's right. And, and that impact is still alive today when I see, speak to my uncle and yeah. auntie. You Thank know? you. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's testament to what you do, Lou. You mentioned feedback. I love feedback. Mm. I'm so passionate about feedback. Um, tell me, what does feedback look like in your learning space? Mm-hmm. So it, um, there can be teacher feedback or peer feedback. I speak to the children um, by using um, the terms, I, I'll give you a medal. So a medal is something that you've done really well, but I'm also going to give you a mission. Mm-hmm. So your mission is your next step. And um, the students use that with each other as well. Um, and these students are, are, are in year one, so they're mm-hmm. able to accept the feedback and, and also give feedback. Um, I, f- I find that um, feedback is a, a, 
really strong tool to use um, in all the different KLAs, but especially in writing and, mm-hmm. and in reading. So um, it gives us um, giving the students feedback, sets them a goal for the next um, lesson or the next activity. And I think it's a good way to start that activity as well with the student. Mm-hmm. So you might say, well, last week we were working on um, making our reading sound like talking. So this week as you read, let's make sure that's happening. Yeah. Um, and you, you find that they can quickly achieve that and then you can push forward with with some mm-hmm. more with another goal and and more feedback mm-hmm. do you model do you ever ask the students could you give me feedback could you provide some feedback on on miss what mr zero is doing or the way i'm reading like do you because sometimes that that is a skill in itself yeah um to help students learn how to support their peer because you mentioned peer feedback and what does it look like when we are providing feedback that is one acknowledging what they've done right but it can be difficult and it can be an art form to talk about that mission, that next step yeah. that they um. How, how do you kind of help your students really come up with a meaningful uh, next step that is um, that relates to whatever that learning intention may be? Yeah, I think that comes down to uh, the gradual release of responsibility. So, um, as teachers, we uh, I I will model that feedback to them, um, and then. Um, I will get them to come up with ideas um, of feedback that we could give to our, our partners and we'll have that up and create an anchor chart mm-hmm. of that. And then once I know that they're comfortable with that, um, then they can do that independently. Mm-hmm. But we'll also um, come together and have, I guess, we'll have an understanding of, well, what does good feedback look like, sound like and feel like? Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess what are the non-negotiables of, uh, of feedback as well? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess just in terms of the students giving me feedback at the moment, one of our, um, writing tasks is actually to write a letter to me, um, just about the year so far and reflecting on it and what they've enjoyed and what could have been done differently. So mm-hmm. I, I take those letters seriously and, mm-hmm. um, and I guess that's my, my next goal, um, with the class that I take next year, mm-hmm. looking at, um, the feedback I've got gotten from my current students and um, thinking about how things can be done um, differently um, next year and also what things should I keep in my little toolbox. Yeah. Yeah. The toolbox. I like that because um, the gradual release of responsibility is something that I, 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 in my um, past schools, I'd, I'd learned about and understood and tried to apply, but I never felt that I did it as a consistent, consistent, Lee, am I saying that right? Yep. <laughs> As consistently, can you give me some feedback on that? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, until I worked with you and, and heard you really live and breathe this um, gradual release of responsibility, and it sounds like, um, as a, a, and it can just be, you talk about the toolbox, that's something that um, I, I think about all, all the time in, in my yeah. work that I do in classrooms as well. So isn't it funny how you talk about the toolbox, but how you come in contact with other dedicated professionals yeah. like yourself and how you get to learn yeah. from those uh, professionals. Mm. Who are some people that you've worked with in your career that you thought, um, you know, wow, what an amazing educator for whatever reason that may be? Yeah. Well, um, today seems very fitting. I guess uh, Gary Borg being the principal at Mother Teresa Primary um, 
to have to work for somebody that um, is passionate and inspiring in their leadership um, is quite a gift. Um, um, and to have autonomy within your teaching is uh, is a blessing as well. Um, to know that um, your leader has faith in you to be doing um, your best every day um, mm-hmm. means means a lot. So um, it's pretty special. And we we're having a chat before we've even begun this about what are the qualities of a leader like that? What like we're trying mm. to? What is it? Is it? I mean, you said. <laughs> what did we say? Like the the humbleness. Um. Or actually, uh, I was a euphemism. The dagginess. But it's just a way of really making people feel comfortable. That's right. That's right. The, and that's um. Because I, I look. I agree. I, I've worked with Gary as well. And uh, there is something about um, leadership like that. Yeah. And 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 faith in what you're doing. And yeah. And knowing that um you will have that support yeah and, and that faith just makes you want to be a better teacher yeah so you'll come to work every day and do your best but you know because you've got that faith you then rise even higher mm-hmm. as that, that trust yeah trust and breeds honest they don't exist without each other yeah That's, um so lou i wanted to talk to you also i wanted to ask you a question about um especially with parents you know we, we were talking about how parents schooling has changed and a big part of that change is uh assessment what is you know? And traditionally, parents have received these assessments. You're you got a seven out of ten, um, and that has evolved quite a lot. So, could you unpack a little bit about how you assess, but how you don't assess at the end of a unit? Mm-hmm. You assess at the beginning of a unit. What does that look like for you? Yeah. So I'll talk about reading uh, assessment. So um, a powerful tool in reading with reading assessment uh, are your running records. So. I'll use my running records to, to check that my students are reading at um, what we call an instructional level. Um, so after conducting the running record, I'll... I and, would, and sorry, just to interrupt, just for people listening, a running record, just unpack what that is for... You know, it could be a parent or it could be anyone, anyone who's unfamiliar with it. Oh, that's a bit tricky so, um, <laughs> when you do it every day. Um, so I guess... Define and... <laughs> Uh, so as the student is reading, um, I will be, um, I guess, taking a record of their reading, um, mm. making sure that they're, they're reading using meaning, meaning structure and, uh, mm-hmm. visual cues. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, there is, there are three different levels that it could be. It could be easy, it could be instructional, or it could be difficult. So mm-hmm. obviously as a teacher, we want um, the reading level to be instructional because that then informs our teaching. So mm-hmm. that's your assessment. Mm-hmm. So when you analyze it, you might notice that the student is, isn't using visual cues to mm-hmm. decode words mm-hmm. or they're using meaning, but they're not using structure. Mm-hmm. So that assessment then helps to guide your next guided reading session. So you would then pick a text um, or try your best to pick a text where it's going to um, help students to develop in if it's um, being able to use their visual skills to decode mm-hmm. words uh, a little bit better and you would have your teaching around that. Mm-hmm. So um, for reading, uh, your guided reading, uh, for reading, sorry, your um, running record uh, will really inform where your student is and where they're mm-hmm. going in terms of their reading. Um, just in terms of parents, it's really important that parents know that it's not about the reading level. Um, it's about the reading strategies that students are using. So, and isn't that funny? It's similar to what parents are growing up. All there are, you know, at whatever PL, what do you call them? Benchmark. Benchmark, yeah. yes. <laughs> um, whatever benchmark it is, it's 
still just a number, but we need to go deeper. That's right. That's right. And that's that's really important, especially in the early years. Um, you don't want children racing through the levels. Um, and I always tell the parents, just imagine that there's no number on the back or there's no level. Just imagine it's a color. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said before, it's these the strategies that the students are using um, that are important. And um, so those strategies help the students to decode words, but it also becomes important in um, teaching the students to comprehend the text as well. Yeah, isn't it funny that, yeah, again, that focus where it's stop focusing on the end, but yeah. focus on the journey. That's it's right. The destination is that journey that because that's where the learning is. Learning isn't getting an A or, or getting 10 out of 10. Learning is a journey of finding a great place to struggle and overcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and teaching the children that it's about being a learner and it's about mm-hmm. making those mistakes and, and letting children feel comfortable that, you know, it's not the, the 10 mm-hmm. out of the 10 I need, it's the learning along the way mm-hmm. and... Um, you know, um, you know, like we've said earlier, modeling is one of our most valuable tools as teachers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, modeling that it's okay to make mistakes and making children to feel safe and, mm-hmm. and just to have a go as and well. I also like how you mentioned after you do this assessment, then you've got to find that book. Mm. You've got to find that next step. And, and Mick Dennis, who was a guest a couple of episodes ago, was talking about that zone of proximal development. Yeah. So it's finding something that's within the student's uh, capabilities. Yeah. Although it's not easy, as you, again, you can see those uh, comparisons yeah. to the, the um, running record, sorry. Um, but yeah, it's finding that sweet spot where it's, there's, that's where it's easy to identify that next step. It's yeah. not, uh, 10 steps, here's your next step. That's right. We want things to be instructional and we don't want it to be difficult because once it's too difficult, um, children will then lose interest and mm-hmm. and, and interest don't get, was what we talked about right yeah, at the start. It's yeah. yeah, and don't get difficult confused with challenge. Like we want it, we want to challenge the children, mm-hmm. but we want to challenge the children to rise to the occasion and mm-hmm. to you know we want to keep that bar high, but mm-hmm. we don't want it difficult where they give up and mm-hmm. they don't feel like they're achieving success. We need to set them up for for that success. Do you think this is where experience comes in when you find that next book because you've been exposed to so many texts? You've, yeah. you've taught um, certain stages, which is year groups for people listening. Could be year one, year two for so long. Um, you get a feel for... <laughs> Sorry, everyone. You get a feel for, um, you know, where that student would be at, where, how they would succeed. And, and again, you mentioned the um, for finding visual cues or books that are rich in those um, opportunities to learn. Yeah. That skill. Yeah. And for beginning teachers, obviously, um, tap into teachers that have been teaching for a little while and are familiar with the books that are out there mm-hmm. and, and show them your running records. And, you know, if you have um, a concern or if you, you know your next step is to do this with, with the child but you don't know how to do it or what resource to go to, ask somebody. Mm-hmm. Um People, I'm sure people would be happy enough mm-hmm. to, to lend a helping hand. And there's the next tip, tap into the collective wisdom of your colleagues. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so Lou, what is the life, for people listening, what is the life of a teacher like? Is it easy? Because you get all these holidays. What are, what are you complaining about? <laughs> all right, where do I start? Um, the life of a teacher is busy. Um, 
from the moment that you walk in the door, you hit the ground running. Um, that's why I think it's important for you to surround yourself with good colleagues. Um, I think these days with the, uh, with having open plan classrooms and um, uh, working so closely with your colleagues mm-hmm. um, is a great thing because um, as the saying goes, two heads are better than one. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do that p- programming and planning together and also the evalu- evaluating. Um, mm-hmm. It is really important to, um, to have a really good work-life balance outside of work mm-hmm. um, because – I guess, you know, if you're not well and if you're not happy, then how can you bring that to work? So mm-hmm. um, um, as uh, my advice for any beginning teacher would be um, get you get your literacy sorted. Um, so I've been able to mentor a few um, beginning teachers and um, my advice would always be in your first term, concentrate on getting your reading groups going. Mm-hmm. Um, your shared reading and your reading groups, once you've got that, get your writing going and then you'll find that your maths and your inquiry or your science or your HESI will then um, mm-hmm. come into it. So um, It sounds really um, practical. Focus on one thing at a time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and I, I'm, I'm not going to lie, teaching is very busy, um, especially at this time of year where we're writing reports. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so you do have to be organised and um, pace yourself out. But um yeah, but also rely on your colleagues to, to help mm-hmm. you with things mm-hmm. as well. And, that, and I like what you're talking about there, um, having an open plan scenario and, and working collaboratively and really deprivatizing the practice instead of staying in your little silo. Yeah. Like that, that is, again, I think I've drawn another previous um, uh, parallel to, you know, m- m- my primary hood. Um, yeah. Education, Pri- primary hood. Am I saying this right? Sorry, my primary school education. Um, yeah, it's it's really important to tap into because it's a massive workload, and and you say two heads are, are smarter than one, but I man, four hands can complete more than two. That's right. That's right. Yeah. There's a nice little maths lesson, <laughs> and we're going head into the maths. <laughs> but but I like what you're saying, Lou. It's it's so important um, for a new scheme teacher to have balance. Yeah. Um, because it's it's so easy to be caught up in that busy busy um environment and and also you know i like how you're talking about surrounding yourself with positivity Mm. because when you are that busy and and people um people find it hard i mean teachers are people as well have so many other things happening in their life that's right um that can impact you know what, what what might happen that day and um it's really important to um you know, tap into the collective. But what about for a new scheme teacher who who might be listening, who might be really struggling? What's what's the best advice? Yeah, I guess um, trying not to reinvent the wheel as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, look at you know things that have been done before and good practices, and try to adopt them. Um, leadership as well. Yep. If you if things are if if you don't know, it's okay. It's okay not to know, and look to your leadership team to to mentor you. Um, yeah, and um, and you know, and if it is too much, say something as well. Mm-hmm. Um, be honest. Yep. Yeah. And that's um, I think that's a mistake. Um, you know. New, uh, I mean, I've made it myself when I first started teaching, thinking I need to appear as if I have everything under control yeah. until I sat down and, and spoke with an AP at a previous role mm-hmm. and said, I'm struggling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't until I, I mentioned that that I got 
really great advice yeah and and support and because that's really what was needed and and it's funny hearing you speak Lou because that advice that I received was very similar just focus on this first yeah yeah don't worry about the whole gamut yeah um focus on this one step mm-hmm. and you know take it one step at a time yeah so Lou last uh, question I want to ask you is um, talking about sharpening the saw. So talking about how you've mastered these skills, um, does the learning end for you now? Have you? You've got your master's, so you've mastered it. Is that right? No way. <laughs> Still got a long way to go. Yeah. Um, I, I love reading and uh, I love learning, so I'm constantly listening, listening out for, I guess, those people who are, uh, I guess, the researchers who are leading the way with, with new thinking and theories. So... Um, I guess at the moment, um, Sheena Cameron and Louise Dempsey are, are two people that I've been following closely mm-hmm. just to, I guess, sharpen, sharpen my soul with mm-hmm. uh, teaching reading and um, comprehension and also writing. Yeah. Um, I've just finished reading one of their new books about teaching um, oral language and having that embedded through all KLAs. Mm-hmm. Um, at Mother Teresa Primary, um, inquiries is I guess at the centre of everything we do. So um, there's been a lot of talk about Kath Murdoch's new book. So that's another book mm-hmm. that I, I'm reading at the moment. So I just, I, I um, yeah, I just try to tap into the expertise of other people and mm-hmm. um, yeah, read about it. Um, uh, another another way that I find um, I learn is by watching people as well. So mm-hmm. if I know that a colleague is um, is doing something that you know is taking the students' interests or improving student outcome uh, in my release time, I'll see if I can go and uh, watch them um, and see how they they do it as well. Mm-hmm. So um, what great advice that is as well. Do you ever? Um, there's quite a large um, kind of uh, I guess movement online. Um, with within the the Twitter realm, uh, or whether it be Google Plus, are you engaging in any of those kind of online forums where you get to um, connect with other teachers from other schools as well? Yeah, I haven't connected um, in terms of any of the forums, but um, sometimes I might see an interesting reading, and um, I'll you know have a look at that reading, and then if I want to research research further, I'll look into you know other texts that they have written. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I am fortunate enough to have worked with some um, amazing teachers. So just in conversations I have with them or, um, I I mean, the other night I was just um, thinking about um, writing progressions and I was on the phone talking to one of my friends asking her, you know, if I'm interested in um, learning more about writing progressions, where do I look? And she then directed me to Alia and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I was able to find a reading reading there. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, being in communication with with um, fabulous colleagues who become your friends also mm-hmm. help in terms of your own learning and development as well. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and, and for other people listening, if you're looking for another source of uh, some great advice, this <laughs> is the podcast to tune into. Louise DeZero, thank you so much for your time. And thank you, uh, and thank you for everything, everything you've taught me in my career as well. So I really appreciate it and appreciate your time today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me.